Hey friends, welcome to the Magnified Podcast, Detecting the Lies, where our mission is to bring awareness to the battle in which you find yourself in every day. What is this battle? It is the battle for your soul. And more than that, the battle is over how and where you use your energy. If the enemy can take over your mind and heart and what affects your actions, he has won the battle. So buckle up and get ready to detect the lies. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome back to episode two of Detecting the Lies. I am so happy that you are here today, and I hope that before you leave, you will give this podcast a review and let us know what you thought of today's episode. And if you didn't know, this podcast has an Instagram and Facebook page known as Magnified4016, where you can stay up to date not only about what is going on with the podcast, but also with my blog, Magnified. So if you haven't noticed yet, this episode is actually part two to the first episode we put out two weeks ago. In this part two of the first episode, we are going to look at the death and resurrection of Jesus and what that means for us personally and how that helps us fight against the enemy and his schemes. So without further ado, let's jump into part two of His Love Won the Battle. Enjoy! If you do have your Bibles, if you don't, that's okay because I understand that people listen to podcasts while they're doing other things, which I totally do, so do not feel ashamed. But if you want to get out your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark 14. And leading up to this place, they had just had the Passover meal, right? Or other known as the Last Supper, where Jesus has just spent time with his disciples, teaching them and telling them just a few last things before he knows he's going to suffer for humanity, right? And not just suffer, but he's going to enter into a spiritual battle. And I think this is where we ultimately see the spiritual battle happen. Um, and this is this is it, guys. This is the foundation of all of the episodes that I will ever record of the only reason why we are here on earth as Christians. The only reason for anything that we will ever do, guys, this is it right here. And it all just starts with this last supper and of him just telling them final instructions and just encouraging them and telling them that, you know, I, I have over, I'm going to overcome the world. I've overcome the world. You don't have to live in fear anymore. You can have peace. You can have joy in just encouraging them. Um, and then as they finish the meal, uh, they move out to the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus, it says, Jesus is overcome with just to the point of death. It says he just, he's, you know, it says he's sweating so hard that he's bleeding. And, you know, medical scientists have said that only under extreme, like extreme stress is that possible. And so we can already see the beginning of the suffering that Jesus is undergoing for us. Um, And so I just want to read a few verses here from the Garden of Gethsemane. Like I said, we're going to be in Mark. So, starting with Mark 14, verse 32. And it says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And this is Jesus talking now. He says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, which means Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. 
the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So as we see here, the first thing that Jesus does, right, before he knows he's going to enter a spiritual battle, I love this, is he prays. Um, I mean, if you just think about everything that Jesus is about to enter into, all of the physical pain, the emotional pain, the spiritual pain, just the everything, the whole situation, right? The first thing he does is he prays. And something that I want to start on this podcast is something that I want to call tool alert. And I'll say that again, just to make sure you can understand me, is tool alert. Um, and I'm excited about this because every time that there is a tool for us to use against the enemy, I'm going to say that. Um, and this is definitely a tool alert. Um, and that is prayer, right? We see that prayer is his first weapon against the enemy. And I love that. I love that so much because it's something so easy and something so possible for us to do no matter where we are at. After Jesus prays, um, we see that um, he goes back to his disciples, right? And they've fallen asleep. And he's like, Simon, couldn't you stay awake for like one hour? Like, this, it isn't that late in the evening, is it? Um, and you might always kind of wonder how he said that, but, you know, he kind of gets on one a little bit. He's like, you guys need to pray with me. Like, I know you don't understand what's about to happen, but please trust me and just pray. <laughs> um, so he encourages his friends to pray, right? And he goes back and prays again. And in a few other of the gospels, we know that he goes back and prays, um, a couple of different times. And then after he gets done praying, one of his disciples comes with a whole mob of people, uh, come to arrest Jesus and to take him away, right? To question him because they think that he is guilty of um, blasphemy and, you know, disrupting the peace and all this different, all these different things. And this is when we see uh, all his disciples flee him, right? So now we see that he's not only under extreme stress, but now he's also been abandoned by his friends. And as we keep moving to the Gospels, um, uh, the story of Mark, um, we see that Peter does not. Um, we see that Peter follows him to the courtyard of where the high priests are questioning him. And this is something else that is interesting is that even throughout the process of his um, death um, and his trial, he is still fulfilling scripture by not opening his mouth, by not um, defending himself against the high priest and those who are bringing false accusations against him. He's still fulfilling scripture. He's still being perfect in every way, that perfect sacrifice that we needed, um, which I think is really interesting. But through this whole process of leading up to his crucifixion, um, like I said, he was falsely accused of blasphemy. He was whipped. He was beat. He was crowned with thorns. He was struck with fists and they were punching at him. They spat at him. Um, he was denied by Peter. Um, all his friends um, ran away and abandoned him. Um, he was flogged. He was humiliated. At times it said that they stripped him of his clothes and just put him in a um, robe of, I think it's a purple robe, which was a sign of royalty. And of course they meant this in a um, taunting way. And they were taunting him and saying, you know, prophesy who hit you prophesy who said this if you're a king you know you're the king of the jews and just taunting him and totally disrespecting him as the son of god right um and something that i do want to just point out here because i think it's important to realize it wasn't just people punching him it wasn't people just taking a whip even though it's still terrible for anyone to ever have to experience that at, at any degree or level um 
it wasn't just a whip. It wasn't just a punch. It wasn't just a, someone spitting at them. It wasn't just someone taunting at them. It was a certain type of tool that the Romans used to literally cause the most pain possible. And as I was preparing for this um, podcast, I was doing a little more research on the kind of whip that they used. And I just want to read you um, a description that Enduring Word put out on their commentary. And if this is another tool alert. If um, you need a great commentary to help you understand more of what you're reading in the Bible, Enduring Word is a wonderful resource. I will have this in the show notes for you guys. But it's a wonderful resource and has every book in the Bible. And of course, I want to encourage you, don't just take Enduring Word's word for it um, on the things that you're reading. Make sure that you can compare it to the Word of God and show that it does ring true. But in Enduring Word, it says, Jean was to weaken the victim to a state just short of collapse and death. As the Roman soldiers repeatedly struck the victims back with full force, the iron balls would cause deep contusions, I think that's how you say it, and the leather thongs and sheet bones would cut into the skin and sub, subcutaneous, subcutaneous tissues. Then as the flogging continued, the lacerations would tear into the underlying skeletal muscles and produce quivering ribbons of bleeding flesh. Pain and blood loss generally set the stage for circulatory shock. The extent of blood loss may well have determined how long the victim would survive the cross. And something else that I was reading as well um, about this uh, scourging that they're talking about is that it was so severe that they wouldn't do it on women and they wouldn't do it on Roman soldiers or I believe, is it senators? I do not remember. Um, yes, if Roman senators, I just looked at my notes, Roman senators, because it was so severe. Um, I mean, this is, this is awful, guys. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what this must have been like. I mean, literally tearing away at your tissue with iron and bones. I mean, this is, and it's over and over and over again. Um, I mean, by now, Jesus is exhausted, right? Um, he's, I mean, just going through so much horrific pain. He's, like I said, exhausted. He's probably hungry and thirsty, and he is just bleeding, um, probably bruised like crazy, um, and just has to be so mentally exhausted from it all already, right? Um, you know, you think about just sitting through a few classes in a day, just how tired you are after that, and Jesus has gone through hours of just questioning alone i can't imagine how just awful that would have been and not been able to sleep like that in itself is miserable and then to add just all of this on top of it has to be so miserable and so horrific i mean it was horrific and so after they um mocked jesus and after they've done all this horrific stuff to him they finally lead him out um they lead him out to the hill to where he will be crucified and he has to carry the cross, right? They have the cross out already. But they finally reach the place that they call um, Golgotha, which means, let's see if I can find it here. Gol- yeah, Golgotha was the name. And it says, which means the place of the skull. Um, so this is probably not a pretty place, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, this is where people literally die probably about every day. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, exactly how many, you know, crucifixions and all that took place on a daily basis back then, but I'm sure it is not a beautiful place to be, right? Especially if it's called the place of the school. (laughs) And so I'm sure it's a very, just a spiritually dark place as well. 
because obviously the ones who die on a cross are usually the biggest criminals, which is even more interesting to think about as Jesus was perfect, right? Through all of this, through his whole entire life, he was perfect. He never sinned once. And I think it was even more amazing to think about is that he was willing to do this for us. He was satisfied in doing this for us because of how much he loved us. So as we move forward into Mark 15, we see that he was put on the cross around nine in the morning and verse 30, 33, it says, at noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Aloy, Aloy, Lima, Sakabathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then at this, some of the um, leaders heard, they thought that he was calling for Elijah to come and save them. But this is really important, guys, because this is where we see, I think, just the darkness of the battle that Jesus is facing, right? I mean, this is where Jesus is fighting for us, guys. This is where he is winning the battle for us. This is where his suffering, I think, is at its height of where he is just realizing that God has forsaken him. And I can't even imagine that. As a Christian, I cannot imagine God forsaking me and leaving me because now I have lost all goodness. Everything good, as I've said in the beginning, is that everything good has now been taken away from me. And he is now bearing sin and the weight of every single soul that has ever been, that we're out and will ever be. Um, I cannot imagine that weight, that every time that someone has said a lie, cheated, you know, committed adultery, who has faced the temptations of life that offer the addictions, the just the murder, the killing, the stealing that just the everything like he's feeling that for every single person of humanity right of everyone who has ever lived and ever will live and then in verse 37 after they had tried to give him something to drink he refused it and it says with a loud cry jesus breathed his last and guys this is amazing we see that jesus has just breathed his last right which means that the battle is over and what's amazing is that in john 19 31 it says that Jesus proclaimed, it is finished. And in Greek, the word is tetelestai, um, which I think is such a beautiful word anyways, tetelestai, beautiful. But the word literally means paid in full, which means the promise has been paid in full. Everything that God has promised since the beginning of time has now been fulfilled in Jesus and the battle's over. That's it, it is finished. The battle of sin and darkness is finished. And just when I hear that, I think, you know, how can it be that easy? How can it be that easy of just Jesus? And not, not that it was easy for Jesus, but that it was just, it's easy. It's made easy for us to accept and to receive. Because the minute we receive salvation, Jesus declares over us, it is finished. That's it. It's over. The battle's done. The battle's been won, um, which is so amazing for us. And I'm getting just a little ahead of myself here, but that's just because I'm excited. <laughs> But, um, but it's so amazing. It's so amazing when you think about it. And something else that, I mean, it's just so much happened when Jesus breathed his last that I'm excited to go into here. But one of the other things that happened immediately when Jesus died was that in the holies of holies in the temple, right? Um, there was a curtain that was in front of the holies of holies to show that, you know, you couldn't go past there <laughs> unless God had said you could go past there. Um, and that curtain that separated humanity from God. The Bible says this, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Guys, that is amazing because the curtain 
tearing in of itself, first of all, is a miracle because it says that it tore from the top to the bottom. If a person was going to tear it, they can't reach the top of it without getting, you know, some big ladder because this wasn't just a little curtain. This was like a huge curtain, you know what I'm saying? And so if someone was going to tear it, they would have to do it from the bottom, right, where they can reach it. But it was torn from the top to the bottom, which means this isn't something that man did. This is something that only God did. And not only was it a miracle that it tore, but it now signifies that because of Jesus' sacrifice, because now that Jesus has won the battle over sin and darkness and all humanity, we now have a way to get back to God, right? We now have a way to have a relationship with God and to be reconciled to him. Another thing that, um, happened when Jesus said it is finished when he breathed his last, right? Um, was that it said that the earth, there was an earthquake, right? That the ground shook. There was a violent earthquake. It was so violent that rocks split open. I want you just to kind of envision this for a second of an earthquake, right? I've never personally, well, okay, that's not entirely true. I have personally experienced an earthquake, but it was like an itty-bitty one, like one where we were just kind of rocking back and forth a little bit, and then it stopped. It wasn't really that big of an earthquake. But I want you to try to imagine, like, the biggest earthquake you can imagine, and just imagine, like, you know, little rocks, boulders splitting in two, right? And then we see in Matthew something very interesting, that it says um, that the dead came back to life. Now, what that means exactly, we kind of only have guesses, um, but something that I want you to pick up here is that this was, this was such a spiritual battle. This wasn't just a spiritual battle. It was so much of the physical battle as well. Um, and I love, because obviously as we see in Genesis 1, is that God is the creator, right? And that he's going to redeem creation because the ground has been cursed too, right? And as we see in Genesis, right, is that God created the world, right? And it says that in the, also in the Bible that all creation was made to glorify God. And so we see that, you know, through all things, God holds all things together, right? We see that in the Bible. And so in him redeeming the world, redeeming humanity, and saving creation, we see that even creation itself could not help but react to the enormity of the matter, of the thing that just happened. So something else that I want to emphasize in this podcast and something that I want to go into here is I think that as Christians and as some of the, for some of us who may have, you know, grown up in the church, we often just focus on the battle being won at the cross, right? And I do believe it was won at the cross. I think it's part of how it was won. The battle was won. But there's more to the story. And I love how Easter celebrates this because it wasn't just the death on the cross. It was what happened three days later that brought it all to wonderful victory. And so I want to just read part of that story to you now. And I'm going to read now in Mark 16, starting with verse 1. And this is after Jesus has been buried in the tomb and he has been secured in there by guards, right? Because even the guards were scared that um, his words were going to come true, that he was going to rise from the dead, or that his disciples would try to steal him away so that they could say he rose from the dead and that he was real and what happened was really real. And so they were terrified. And it even says at one point that, that they sealed the tomb. And I think I had heard that before, but I was, I guess I just wanted to find out really what it meant this time through as I was studying it. And I thought it was really interesting. And it said that they, of course, had this huge stone. This is a tomb made out of stone and rock and probably maybe a cave. I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, but they would set the stone in place right over the entrance of the tomb. 
and then they would take rope and they would bind it around the width of the stone and then they would take wax and they would seal that rope on either side of the entrance of well the tomb and then also like across the stone i don't know if that makes sense but on either side of the stone they would have like blobs of wax that sealed it so that you would literally like need so many strong people to help you move this out of the way like the disciples wouldn't have been able to do this quietly or unnoticed like doing this unnoticedly by the romans if they had taken jesus out of the tomb so we see that there is very much a physical barrier for jesus to get out of this tomb <laughs> especially with their guards being around the tomb and all of that so in chapter 16 well before this is that was what happened before chapter 16 so now let's go into chapter 16 here and starting with verse 1 it says when the sabbath was over mary magdalene mary the mother of james and salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint jesus's body very early on the first day of the week just after sunrise they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb but when they looked up they saw that the stone which was very large had been rolled away as they entered the tomb they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed don't be alarmed he said you were looking for jesus the nazarene who was crucified he has risen he is not here see the place where they laid him but go tell his disciples and peter he is going ahead of you into galilee there you will see him just as he told you trembling and bewildered the women went and fled from the tomb they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid and another uh picture that we see i believe is in matthew is that they saw this light of course it was an angel that they saw literally fall from heaven and remove the stone away from the tomb which is amazing to try to imagine and to envision because like i said he had to break through the seal and the stone and the rope and everything else like i i can't imagine witnessing something like that and seeing that and just being totally awestruck <laughs> of what is going on right in front of you and of course still being that um that goodness from heaven right we see the angels tell the women you don't need to be afraid right like this is a day of celebration not a day of mourning not a day of sadness um for he has risen guys this is it this is where the battle is completely finished over because here's the thing of course it would have been amazing if jesus had won the battle and had stayed dead in the tomb right i think we still would have celebrated what he did but guys he didn't stay dead he didn't let death defeat him. He didn't let death have the final word. He overcame the grave. He overcame death. And he was risen with glory, right? He came back from the dead. He didn't let death have the final say. And guys, in doing this, he didn't let death have the final say over us. And that's why I love it in Romans 8, when he says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because now that Jesus has risen from the dead, we too can take part in that. And guys, this is what we celebrate at Easter. We celebrate Jesus conquering death, destruction, evil, literally the battle. It's just the battle. The battle has been won. The battle has been won by his blood, by his death, by his resurrection, by everything else. And guys, this is where we look to when we say the battle has been won. When, when you hear someone say, you know, at your church or your friend or whatever, saying that the battle has been won, it's because of what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection. He overcame the grave. He overcame sin. He overcame it all so that we could live. So as we move forward, as we've just, you know, recognized all that 
has happened, right? Because like I've said, we've seen God show his faithfulness and his goodness to the promises, starting with the very first book in the Bible, the very beginning of time, right? With Adam and Eve. And we've seen him fulfill this promise now in Jesus by saving humanity and conquering the grave, setting us free from our sin and everything else. Now the question is, so what? Why does this matter? Why does it matter that God has saved humanity? What does this have to do with me personally? And what do I do with it? What do I do with this message? Um, and that that's now the next kind of segment of this podcast. Um, is finding out, you know, why does this matter? Why is this a thing? And what do I need to do about it? So the first thing that we see, what this means for us, right? Like, what's the first thing? And the first thing is that this means salvation. And I know I've already said that, but that really is, right, the main uh, point of why Jesus came to earth, right? Is to save us from our sins and to save us from destruction and make a way back to the Father, right? Like in the garden with Adam and Eve. Because they sinned, they had been separated from the presence of God. And so Jesus came to be that mediator, to be that um, atonement for ourselves, the one that we can never make to get back to God. Jesus was the way back to God. And that's what the salvation is. That's what salvation is. It's a way out of sin and darkness. And so I just want to read a few verses here in Colossians. If you have your Bible, like I was saying, you could go to Colossians 1, and we're going to start in verse 9 and read through 14. Um, it says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding of the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So that's a lot to start off with, but just to kind of cap that up there, he's basically, Paul, who's writing this to the Church of Colossae, is basically just saying, like, our prayer is that you just keep growing in the Lord, right? That you never stop, um growing with him basically i mean that's basically it and in through growing in the spirit you may learn you know what it means to please god and what is um to live a life worthy of the calling god has placed on us right um to be found worthy of the name of the lord jesus christ to tell others about this wonderful salvation that we have through jesus right so let's keep going here in verse 11 being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light and here's really what i want you guys to hear today for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins guys verse 13 has always been a favorite of mine just because of how powerful it is if you think about how powerful it is um, and just starting again from the beginning of that verse, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He, a dominion is a place where you live, right? Like a land. Like we live in like the dominion of, you know, at least for me and myself anyways, I live in the dominion of America, the United States, right? That's a dominion. And Paul is saying that Jesus has rescued you from living in the dominion of darkness, of living in the land of uncertainty and feeling lost and hopeless and unloved and unworthy and all of those lies that Satan tries to throw at us in our identity. He's saying that Jesus has rescued from that. You don't have to live that way anymore. Like, you are free from that. Like, Jesus has rescued us from that. And as we move more into that verse a little bit more, he's saying that not only has he rescued you from the dominion of darkness, he's brought you into a new dominion, the kingdom of light. Oh my gosh, I am getting so excited talking about this. Just because it's so freeing. Like, 
that's how much he loves us is that he not only just provides a way to save us but he gives us a new reality to live in he gives us a new identity a new place to live a one that is freeing and everything that god originally designed for humanity to live like and if we keep going uh down through Colossians, I want to start reading again in verse 19. We'll read through verse 23 here. And it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, in which I, Paul, have become a servant. So looking at those first couple of verses that I just read now, it's talking about the reconciliation, right? And that we now have peace with God, right? Going back to that garden idea of we were separated, but now Jesus has made a way back to the Father. And going into a little bit more of that, you know, salvation idea, Paul is saying that now you have been redeemed, like you've been forgiven, you're without blemish, and you can be found holy in God's sight. So salvation isn't just a um, removal of sin, now somehow like you're neutral again or something, you know, um, but it's rather of becoming more like Jesus and becoming sanctified, becoming holy in his sight. Because like I said, God is a God of justice. He can't be in the same place with sin because of just how good and holy he is. And so in redeeming us and removing the guilt and sin from our lives he also has made us holy and pure in his sight so that we may be in his presence and since we have been you know now saved right from our past life right we talked about the dominion of darkness and how we now live in the kingdom of light right the second thing that we really see with uh, salvation is that we're giving a new identity because we no longer have to live in our old selves we now have a new identity and once again, Paul, he says in um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 that the new creation is here. We are made new. We are redeemed, like bought back from the old way of living. And so the second thing that I really want to point out here to you guys is that we, ha we are a new creation in Christ. If we have salvation, if we have received that gift of salvation, we are made new and we no longer have to live in that dominion of darkness. At my church recently, um, one of the pastors was talking about how he moved um, a little while ago and, you know, for, for the couple of months that he lived in the new house, if he was out somewhere, he kept, you know, going back to the old neighborhood to where he used to live. And he was saying how that can be like us with our spiritual walks sometimes of how we've been given a new name, but we keep trying to go back and live in the old way. But we don't have to do that anymore. That's the freedom that salvation and that Christ gives us is that we don't have to live there anymore. We have a new name. We have a new identity. We have a new kingdom that we live in. And that is where we need to be focusing on. So now that we know that we are a new creation, right? That we're living in a new kingdom. We don't have to live in the old way anymore. How do we like live that out practically? And not necessarily practically, but just how do we walk in that freedom? And I think one thing that's really important, and this is kind of the foundation of this podcast. I know I've said that a few different times, but this is also another one of those elements that I feel like is a foundation of this podcast. And that is the fact that we are more than conquerors. And I've already mentioned that Jesus conquered the grave, right? When he rose up from death, he conquered death, he conquered destruction, he conquered evil, he conquered sin, he conquered hell in and of itself, he conquered 
everything. And now that Jesus has made a way back to the Father and salvation is when we receive salvation, we also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is just simply a part of the Trinity, a part of God that comes and lives with us and helps us uh, live this life here on earth until Jesus returns or until we go back to heaven. And he helps us discern what is right and what is good and what is pleasing to the Lord and what it is he would have us do to accomplish his will here on earth. And since that spirit lives inside of us, it says in the Bible that we have the same power inside of us that raised Jesus up from the dead. That's really powerful, guys. I mean, if you think about that, I think I don't think any of us will ever be able to totally comprehend what that means. But that's really amazing, is that that same type of power lives inside of us. And so, just in the same way that Jesus conquered the grave, it says in uh, Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors. And I want to read that part now in Romans 8. Um, starting with verse 35, it's it's a little bit before the part where it says we are more than conquerors, but it kind of gives you that idea of that because of how strong Jesus' love for us, we too can be conquerors. And it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So starting in Romans 8, uh, verse 37, we're just going to read that one verse there. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Paul has just talked about how um, if God is for us, who can be against us? If we have all of this power inside of us, if God is dwelling a piece of his Holy Spirit living in us, who can be against us? And it says, In all these things we are more than conquerors. Like there is literally nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of God, that can separate us from his presence. So, in this idea of knowing that we are more than conquerors, we can have the freedom and I think, I'm not really quite sure what the word is, but just the understanding that we have the power inside of us to overcome these lies that Satan throws at us. And it's not because of anything we we have done. It is by God's goodwill that he conquered the grave for us so that we in turn may be a conqueror. It has nothing to do with us. Um, and I think that's something really important to remember is that it's not the inner strength that we have. It's the inner strength of the Holy Spirit that is making us become more than a conqueror and being able to detect these lies and to stand up with the truth and say, no, no weapon against me shall prosper, is that we have that weapon to fight against him and we can be more than conquerors. So when we're living our normal lives, when we are, you know, faced with these lies the enemy throws at us, we can stop them in their tracks and say, just a minute, I have God's power living in me. I don't have to submit to the lies that you're throwing at me. I don't have to be the victim here. I am more than a conqueror. I have God's power living in me, and I'm not going to submit to Satan's will of me being the victim of his lies. All right, so now that we have talked about that, I want to move into my last and final point. On my notes here, I have it as the third point, but I think it's more like the fourth point. <laughs> but it's just kind of like that last conclusion thought that I want to leave with you. And just to kind of recap a little bit, we see that salvation, that you know, Jesus dying on the cross and conquering the grave gives us salvation way back to God, a way out of the dominion of darkness. We become a new creation. And in being a new creation, now that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we are more than conquerors. Which I hope this excites you guys, because it excites me too, just to think about it. Is that, you know, the battle has been won. The battle is over. Like, Jesus won it for us. And that is actually my last point, is that the battle has been won. So when you go about your day today or when you wake up tomorrow remember the battle has been won like you know where you're going in the end 
we have that hope. We know what's in the end. We know who wins in the end. We know who has victory in the end. And we know that God is for us and he is not against us, that he is good and his justice uh, works for us and not against us. I want to read now in 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 54. And it says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, this is talking about when Jesus will return and we will all go to heaven with him and be clothed with our new bodies. That's what this is talking about here. And it says, in the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. So to end this idea, right, of that the battle has been won, he's saying, remember where your hope lies. Your hope does not lie in this world. These things are temporary. They're going to fade. And your hope and your eyes need to be set on the things above, on the things yet to come. And of our hope that is in heaven and and living for eternity with jesus all right so we are now to the end of our podcast but i want to leave you with just a few more reminders and application here of just um reminding you of that tool alert that i said a while back now (laughs) and that tool alert is to use prayer use prayer as your weapon when you don't know what else to do, when you can't tell those thoughts enough things that you're more than a conqueror, that the battle is won, when that is not good enough, pray. And in Ephesians 6, 18, it says that prayer is actually a part of the armor of God, right? That we are instructed to put on. And even though it's not listed as a specific piece of armor, it is listed right after the armor because of how important prayer is. And like I said earlier in this podcast that Jesus, before he entered that realm of, you know, defeating sin and darkness, the first thing he did was pray. He poured out his heart to God. He prayed. He was honest with God. He told him how he felt. And I believe that we can do the same thing, that prayer can be a weapon against the enemy. I have seen it in my own life and I believe that it can happen in your life. And prayer is powerful, guys. Prayer is so powerful and it's so easy and simple just to say, God, I can't do it today. I need you to do it. You know, please give me your strength. Please give me your peace. Please, you know, give me your joy. Help me to see this situation in a new way that I've never seen it before. And so I just want to encourage you that after this podcast is done, take a few minutes to pray and ask God to help you through whatever situation you're facing today. Because guys, I know this this life is so hard and we can't fight it alone. That's why God has gifted us with his Holy Spirit to live inside of us and to help us on a day-to-day basis because He knows that we can't do it. We're not strong enough. And so guys, I encourage you to pray after this podcast and to ask God to help you with whatever situation or circumstance you're facing today. I also want to deeply encourage you that if you yourself have not received salvation, maybe this is when you start thinking about it, when you start taking it seriously. Because here's the thing, is that if you haven't received salvation, and I understand that everyone is on a different journey and it's not something to take lightly at all. That's not what I'm trying to say here is that it's something to take lightly because it is a very serious decision and it is something that will change your life forever. And so if you have questions, I encourage you to seek seek people out, people who know the word, people who know God's heart 
um, you know, like your pastors or, you know, just an older person that you trust, seek them out, ask them the questions that you have. And I am sure that if they don't know it themselves, that they can research, they can ask other people who do know the answers. You can find answers to your questions. You don't have to live in this world of uncertainty. But in saying all of that, I just want to create a space now for the next few minutes for you to just think about your decision and if you need to make that decision. And maybe you're at a point in your life right now where maybe you need to recommit to God. Recommit that I want to do life with you, God. I want to give up. I want to surrender all of my desires, all of my ways, all of the things that I'm trying to do, and I want to give them to you. And so guys, I just want to have a few minutes of silence here just to pray and to think and to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and to know us and to reveal things to us. So I just want to have a few minutes of silence here and then we'll keep going. Father God, I thank you so much for this time that you have blessed us with. God, I thank you that you are alive and that you are good, God. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is working. And Jesus, I really do believe that this podcast will set someone free today. God, I thank you that you offer the gift of salvation to us. God, that you conquered the grave, God, that we don't have to fight this battle anymore because you conquered the battle, God. You won the battle. Jesus, the battle is won. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you that we have victory through your name. And I thank you that we have hope to live with you someday, God, that this world is not all there is, and I thank you that this world is not all there is. Jesus, I just I just pray that your will would be done today, and I thank you for this time that we have got to um, learn about your word and just everything else, God. Jesus, I thank you, and I thank you for the listeners today as well. I pray that these words may help them, Lord, and I pray that it may set someone free, and it's in your great name I do pray. Amen. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. But more than that, I also hope that now you have a better understanding of where the battle started and how, through Jesus Christ, we are now more than conquerors. I will see you all back here in two weeks for episode three, entitled What I Do Doesn't Matter. Until then, keep fighting and keep your eyes on Jesus.